Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Truth to Power with me, Justin Mogg, and my guest host, Ruth Newman, here in the virtual studio with me, bringing you another Truth to Power happy hour where we get together after work and talk about pressing issues of the day here on Forward Radio, your community radio station. And this week's Truth to Power, Ruth, is in, inspired by Forward Radio's first ever participation in the, the Louisville Earth Walk, right? That is correct. And who did we find at the Louisville Earth Walk? <laughs> we found our guest for today. We're so happy to have <laughs> joining us in the studio, Arnita Gadsen, who has been such a longtime advocate for people in Louisville to understand the environmental contaminants around them and the impact on them. She is with the West Jefferson County Community Task Force. Welcome, welcome Arnita. Thank you very much. It's great to have you here. Uh, so. Ruth, you were there in person at the yes. fifth annual Louisville Earth Walk, which took place uh, back on uh, Saturday, October 23rd in the morning. It was at Cherokee Park this year uh, mm -hmm. at the Hogan Fountain, and people could also take place virtually. It's an annual fundraiser for 12 different environmental nonprofit organization partners, and I guess you ran into Arnita there. Well, not exactly. Uh, I ran into Ann Hagen Grigsby and I interviewed her and she represented two different groups, both the Jefferson County Community Task Force and the Park Duval Community Health Center. And yes. she was a very knowledgeable, very active individual and she turned me on to Arnita. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I hope folks will stick around for the end of the program because Ruth is going to share uh, quite a few. I don't know how many folks you got to interview on the day of the Earthwalk, but she's going to share some of the on the ground perspectives uh, from participants in the Earthwalk this year. Right, Ruth? That's right. And they were from all different interesting and exciting organizations. So Arnita, tell us about uh, the, the West Jefferson County Community Task Force and how long you've been around. It's been a while now, right? <laughs> it's, it's been a while. I've been around since about 1997. Wow. And it was actually uh, started in 1995. Uh, Reverend Coleman and the interest of the environmental justice arena was already functioning. From uh, 95 to 97, they developed an action agenda with uh, 500 folks, 12 communities, and they presented to then Mayor Abramson, and that was in September of 1996. From that action agenda, uh, the University of Louisville, which was a part of it, the Louisville Health Department, which actually financed the facilitation of the meeting, brought it together and found a grant. And a grant was written called the Environmental Justice Through Pollution Prevention, EJP2. And um. from that grant, that was a total of $308,000. And that was an educational, informational grant to let everybody know what environmental justice was, what you know their role was, how important it was. And so with that, we started with radio programs and you know TV announcements. From that, I began to have meetings once a month, and we've had them ever since. From 1997, the mission of the task force is we research, we validate or invalidate information, and then we give it to the community to empower them to make rational decisions. Our thing, you know, when we talk about things, we need to know about them. If we right. get angry about them, we need to know why we're angry, and we need to be angry about the right thing. So it's basically to help the folks in the community to know what they're talking about. Nothing hurts an action worse than losing <laughs> credibility because you have said something that's totally wrong. Well, we know about that right now. That's kind of what's going on. But once we, you know, once we got together, we presented that to the mayor. And then as far as most people were concerned, that was it. And so the folks said, wait a minute, we've got to do something with this. So once University of Louisville received this grant, then I was hired. So I came in in 97. My degree is in business management. I tell everybody I was not an environmentalist. My job was to manage that grant. <laughs> and so <laughs> once I got into it, and I saw what was happening, I couldn't help but to get just totally involved in it. And so I asked everybody, let's calm down. What do you want to start first? 
It had 35 recommendations with what they want to do. I said, we got to start somewhere. So we started with air. And guess where we are still working? We're still with working air. with air. <laughs> but we did work with the uh, Brownfields at the city of Louisville. And uh, when they were doing testing in the Chickasaw Lake, and of course, we found the high levels you know, of dioxins in the fish. And at that time, they did a fish kill. Now, they've done another one since then. What we found was dioxins come from everywhere. There was testing in other park lakes. And guess what? We found dioxins there, too. Wow. That's an issue. And what are dioxins? It's a mixture of many chemicals in the air. It's not just one particular chemical coming from somewhere. I talked to the toxicologists and epidemiologists at the university. And I said, so people are complaining and saying, you know, there, there's more that's going on here. I said, and everybody's sitting here and saying, well, the, uh, the companies, they have their toxic release inventory. They are reporting them, they, their EPA report. So I said, well, is anybody checking to make sure, well, EPA comes and, you know, I said, do they tell them? Yes, they tell them when they're coming. So I said, okay, it's like the fox and the chicken, right? Okay, so what we're going to do here Let's do some monitoring. Let's make sure that everybody is on board. So that's what we did. We received some money, wrote another grant, and actually got almost $2 million from a division for air quality from 2000 to 2013. Then they cut us off. Just a political issue. That's all. Mm -hmm. from. But from 2000 to 2013, that became a base for anyone who was doing their own monitoring. They would use Ours as a base, it was called the West Louisville Air Toxic Study. And even the companies used it because they felt if they were within us, then they were okay with the community. So it was a bad thing that was cut off, you know, with the state. Now, at that time, I had gone to the state as the executive director of the Kentucky Environmental Quality Commission. But when I left Louisville, I said, you know what? Somebody has to take my place that's more qualified than I am. And so on the board, I had a gentleman named Carl Hilton, who is now the chairman of the Board of Air Pollution Control District. And I asked him, I said, Carl, will you do this while I'm gone? And of course, he him around, but he did and did a wonderful job. And of course, one of his main claim to fame is the black leaf, which is a pesticide yes. placed there on uh, Dixie Highway. And so once the monitoring was done, we found 10 chemicals that were way above out of the wazoo. That one is gone. And that was chloroprene from uh, DuPont. And DuPont left. And when they left, they took the chloroprene with them. So even if that was the only one that left, that was a great improvement. But then the rest of them, we actually took everything to the mayor. And we said, okay, what are we going to do? The mayor said, I cannot bring people in here with this kind of stuff. So do something about it. At that time, Art Williams was over Air Pollution Control District. You know, me being who I am, I said, well, let's just change regulations. Well, that wasn't a good thing to say. But that's exactly what we did. And of course, we have the STAR program. And the Strategic Toxic Air Regulation Program right. was born out of all of that. So that is really was the catalyst, I believe, that really started a lot of things here in Louisville because people could see, yes, you can do something about it. And this little group of people that started out as a community function still function and they got something done. Now, of course, we can't take away the efforts of EPA, Division for Air Quality, right. Air Pollution Control, University of Louisville. We cannot take away all the things that was involved in this. But from this, now we have Louisville Sustainability. We have, you know, all of these things were not as functional as they are now. Because when I was trying to get a lot of things done, there was, well, we can't do this. Well, yeah, we can. And so now we do have a lot of things going on. And I'm very very glad to see those things going on. So the task force, we're still having our meeting. We have a meeting the third Tuesday coming up. We did decide at one time we were going to take off in December to have a break, but guess what? Usually we get together and that's when we start planning for the next year. So it's really not a takeoff. We just kind of don't have a meeting for December, but we're looking at trying to do an environmental justice conference to kind of get that going. I get excited. I get angry. 
I get sad because people are exposed to chemicals every day. The sickness, and there were many people that used to blame the people. You know, I had people come to the meeting. Well, people don't eat right. They smoke. They drink. And I would tell them, I said, I live in eastern Jefferson County. I live in the Parkland area. That, That was where I was raised. So I lived there all of my childhood life and then my young adult life. Well, when I left there, and then we moved to the James Taylor neighborhood in East Jefferson County, which is a a Black community, and we're, you know, proud of that. And I tell people, we have some of the same issues, except for the emissions that is in West Louisville. But one thing that when I go, my office is still at the Nia Center. So when I go to the office in the Nia Center, and I come across those smells, and I tell people, it hits me now worse yeah. Because I'm coming into it. And I, I did sit one day and just tears came to my eyes because I thought you, you cannot ever forget about maybe you can go home. People mm. are still here. Mm. And this doctor stood there and said, well, it's because people drink and they smoke. And I said, now, let me tell you something. When I come home and I get gas, guess what's in those gas stations? So somebody <laughs> is smoking out there. And as an insurance analyst, which I was for 15 years, I used to underwrite one of the biggest liquor outlets in Jefferson County. Guess where it was? Right here in the East. So in West Louisville, a lot of people buy by the bottle. In East Louisville, they buy by the case simply because of the structure is different. You know, you have to make sure your bar, you know, because you entertain. Mm. Whereas there's a difference and what we do with it. But to blame people and say that it's your fault, you don't eat right. I was involved in a grant that we did not get because I asked the researchers, since they were gonna use people in West Louisville as guinea pigs, I said, do you mind going into the area where your guinea pigs live just for a week? So it means you'd have to eat out of the eateries there. You'd have to smell what they smell. You have to expose yourself. They can come to us. No, because you cannot know what they're feeling or what they're doing or what they're complaining about unless you take your behinds right where they live. You don't have to go to their home, but you can go to the areas because guess what? They do have eateries there, so you won't be hungry. Okay. (laughs) You know, so those are the things you know, that we're constantly, constantly dealing with the health issues. When the COVID came in and there was a Harvard study and it was sent to me that actually said, you know, if you live in close proximity to chemical facilities, you have a 15% more chance of dying from COVID. But what can you do? Where are you going to go? So these are the things that I'm trying to do is to make people feel what people feel when you live in this type of environment that you have no control over but only thing we can do is try to be as healthy you know as we can but like I say I get excited when I start talking about this I've done it for so long and then of course when I work for the state I did it across the state so you can imagine yeah. we have more stories there but well you yeah. you mentioned sustainability and that is the key word, you know, as far as sustainability of all of these efforts, because like you said, it's very complex. It's not one thing or another. It's not one pollutant. It's not smoking. It's not the type of food. It's a bunch of things all wrapped up together, including the experiences that people are having. So. My big push right now is to try to see how we can start cross-pollinating with the different groups, the different environmental groups, the different health groups, because we all have common goals. I've just recently run across some articles on something called networked nonprofits, where your group networks with my group, networks with another group, and we start getting to know each other and seeing where different parts of our organization can fit in. And that was something that I wanted to just bring up because, you know, most of us talk about building our organizations and how do we do that? And and we're guilty of that too at Forward Radio. But what I'm reading is that instead of concentrating on building your organization, you should concentrate on shared goals and shared causes. I've got a quote from one of these articles. 
it is wrong-headed for nonprofit leaders simply to build their organizations. Instead, they must build capacity outside of their organizations, and this requires them to focus on their mission, not their organization, on trust, not control, and on being a node, not a hub. And I see it as just starting to create a constellation or an ecosystem of nonprofits who communicate with each other on a regular basis and lend each other various expertise and people and ideas. I mean, even with WFMP, with Forward Radio, our mission is to have these people give their messages over our station mm. so that they can communicate and engage people from other organizations. And so I invite your organization, Arnita, to come on our station. And I'm hoping that other nonprofits can see it the same way, that they can use Forward Radio as a clearinghouse, as a way of communicating across different organizational lines and, and memberships. I just wanted to bring that up. And I, I like the idea of nodes within a constellation, forging long-term partnerships with different groups. We do have an example of that right now with the Grassroots Radio Conference and the Low Power FM Solidarity Group. There are little grassroots community radio stations all over the country now, and they're coming together in monthly meetings and sharing ideas and sharing programming, sharing technical knowledge. And that's what I'd like to be promoting here. I think something that to me is a powerful idea. Yeah, and I'd love to hear from Arnita about her thoughts about collaboration, how much she does it with other groups locally and even nationally. In fact, I was the host of the uh, Region 4 Environmental Justice Conference. And then I was on a panel with Kansas State University. They had an environmental justice conference. And so from that, I will be working, you know, with the organization that actually put that on, which is great because now, you know, I can get involved in that. My other hat is that I'm the state chair of the NAACP Environmental Justice wow. uh, Conference and the Louisville Environmental Justice Conference. So that keeps me going. That spreads me out sometimes a little bit more. Than <laughs> I think one thing, and because I work in so many capacities at this point, I keep saying I'm retired. <laughs> One thing I have found over the years is that you have to find that one commonality at this particular time. In other words, I just wrote a paper on odors. That one thing on odors, number one, what can we do about odors? Mm -hmm. Is it impossible to do anything about odors? Odors, I was told by someone from one of our organizations, regulatory organizations, that said, well, odors are nuisance. Well, let's see about how odors are a nuisance. You know, odors can actually bring about seizures. They can bring about your eyes and your nose running and all of that. And all of that can have a very adverse effect on you. Mm. Now, is it a nuisance or is it something we need to look at and mandate and regulate? Mm. And my thing is this. I don't want to sit and complain and complain and complain <laughs> about something. I'm goal-oriented. I'm like that. It's like, okay, where are we going with this? And and I don't take away groups that really bring about the issues by agitating it because sometimes we need that to, to bring us to a realization that we're serious about this. And I think that in that, if we can kind of come together, and I always say come together, plan the togetherness once a year, twice mm -hmm. a year. Let's not try to do it every month because everybody has their own mission and we've got to make sure we maintain that. But when we come together, we come together with solutions. How are we going to solve this problem? And mm -hmm. that's kind of where I seem to run in the problem of butt heads sometimes with people <laughs> because the complaints, as I always say, we know what's going on. So why are we talking about it? Let's talk about getting something done yeah just like right now you know we had a presentation at one of our meetings about the whiskey uh, brown foreman they're doubling their whiskey what i believe arnita is referring to is brown foreman's plan to double its whiskey production capacity including doubling the number of fermenters at their existing facility off of dixie highway in shively i have to admit i like a little of it 
you know, myself <laughs> from time to time. But doubling it, if people are concerned about the fungus on their home, let's deal with that. We can complain about it forever. But if there's something that can be done, well, yeah, we know there's something that can be done. Let's just hope that somewhere down the line that we can meet, we can come together. I always say this, when you meet and you talk about issues and not blame people, you will find that you have commonalities mm. all yeah. around the place. Yeah. Because those issues will bring you together. And if you keep dealing with the person or your feelings on the people, you're going to have problems and you're yeah. never going to reach that goal. So that's kind of my philosophy. That's what I've had for all these years. It has seemed to kind of work so much. I would love to find a magic pill. If you, <laughs> have, if you know of that magic pill, I'll take it. <laughs> 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 oh, Arnita Ganson, it's been such a treat having you on. I know you need to run, but I wanted to make one last plug. If people want to learn more or get involved with your organization, you've got a website and a, a Facebook presence, right? You're at wjcctf.com. Is that right? Yes. And a lot of people questioned that we had the .org and it was stolen from us. It was actually ransomware. They wanted us to pay, pay them. Oh, more. my gosh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So forget it. We're doing the dot com. Don't worry about it. <laughs> WJCCTF.com. And did you say you are meeting this month in November? We will be meeting the third Tuesday in November. We do send out uh, press releases and we can put you on our list and we can send the press release to you every month and you can do with it as you please. And are you yeah, still meeting absolutely. in person at the NIA Center or is it just online? No, we are online and we think okay. we're going to stay online for a while oh. because we get so much more attendance and Arnita doesn't have to bring food. And That's right. Every time. So, <laughs> I love it. So it's been really good for us. The meetings have been very good for us. Great. Uh, well, I hope our listeners will check you out and get involved. Thank you so much for joining us today, Arnita. Thank, Thank you, Arnita. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, Arnita's going to leave us, but we are going to bring you some interviews, Ruth, right? You want to tell us a little bit about what the scene was like at the Louisville Earthwalk back on October 23rd. Was it a, a good weather morning? As I recall, it was rather chilly, but it was nice and sunny. It was very invigorating. And did lots and, of people come out? They wanted to yeah, come out of COVID hibernation. Yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> and there was wonderful music, drumming and hip hop. I wish that I could have heard the words, but I saw all the excitement and all the rhythm and it was great. And, and then there were just lots and lots of tables and lots and lots of organizations. Yeah. It's more like a fair than, than speakers on a stage, right? Exactly. It was where people went from table to table and had conversations and just celebrated <laughs> together. It was kind of a very festive occasion. But one of these days I want to maybe even have an entire program on networked nonprofits because yeah. yeah. I think people power is the only way that we're going to have some influence over our futures yeah. is by collaborating. Like if we want to build power against the sort of moneyed interests and uh, the, the corporate powers that be, right? Or even against the power of government, if we believe government's gone wrong, then we need to come together. And so I love that vision that you laid out uh, during our conversation yeah. with Arnita. But we need to make room for some of these interviews yes. that you recorded. Yeah, yeah. let's, let's uh, take our listeners over to Cherokee Park then on October 23rd, and we'll hear some interviews from the fifth annual Louisville Earthwalk. And thank you so much for doing this, Ruth. Oh, well, it was my pleasure, and thank you so much, Justin. So this is Ruth Newman, and I'm taking you back to that bright, chilly autumn day on October the 23rd at Hogan's Fountain in Cherokee Park for the annual Louisville Earthwalk, celebrating a vision of a city where every neighborhood has safe and clean water, air, and soil. People came there to walk the Cherokee Loop and browse the colorful displays, and that made for a wildly festive and inspirational event. Now, although I interviewed representatives from only seven organizations present, many groups helped put this together, including Cultivating Connections, 
Project Warm, Louisville Sustainability Council, Louisville Grows, The Restore, Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light, the Greater Louisville Sierra Club, and many, many more. So first up is a colleague of Arnita Gadsen, whom you just heard. Let's see what she has to say. I am here at Louisville Earthwalk at Hogan's Fountain in Cherokee Park, and there are all kinds of people and all kinds of displays, and we just heard some fantastic music. And I am now with Anne Hagen Grigsby from the West Jefferson County Community Task Force. She has a, a booth here, so let's talk to Anne and find out more about this community task force. It's really wonderful to be here with Forward Radio today, Ruth. And, you know, this is an amazing event that happens every year. We're glad that we're able to be uh, here again in person. Um, there are booths here about all different kinds of environmental issues. But I'm here representing the West Jefferson County Community Task Force, which is a community-based task force, a 501c3, that's been in existence for over 20 years. Um, we look at environmental issues not only in Jefferson County, but across the river in Indiana and throughout the state. Um, we have a monthly webinar that's on the third Tuesday at 5.30 where we have very credible speakers talk about environmental issues or things that the community might need to know. You know, how can you add solar to your home? You know, what's the air pollution control district doing? Is our water quality good? MSD will come and present. We're having the health department present. We've talked about volatile organic chemicals, but we've also talked about how different things might impact your health. So now the health department will come and give us some information about that on the third Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. If you go to the West Jefferson County Community Task Force Facebook page each month, it will tell you about who the speakers are going to be and what their topics are, and then we post the video in case you missed it. We want everyone to become more informed about the environmental issues that impact our homes and impact our families and impact our world. Yes, and as a matter of fact, Louisville is notorious for having problems both with the air and the soil and the water. Like, for example, we have Rubbertown, and that is a center of chemical production. All kinds of chemical companies that are located in Rubbertown. And I just heard about a company called Keymores, used to be a DuPont company, and they emit some horrible stuff. I haven't seen the um, air pollution control district data recently. Um, most people may not know, but the original air quality data monitoring was being done by the West Jefferson County Community Task Force. We had our own equipment that was housed at University of Louisville, and Dr. Metaxas actually checked on the air quality and the environmental managers from all of the plants would meet with us to talk about changes and improvements. That data is still available through the Air Pollution Control District's website because they are also doing air monitoring now. I mean, I'm not from Kentucky, but I can actually tell that there is some improvement because when I get on 64 heading west, coming from the east coast, I'd say, oh, we must be in Louisville because the air was not good. Now it's breathable, but we need to monitor this every time. So like last month, the Air Pollution Control District spoke about what they're doing with the new technology monitoring and what changes they've seen and what concerns they still have. So um, we, we really want the community to be involved and ask the right questions. Ask questions about what are you doing? Is it safer? Why is it safer? Oh, and this part's per million, does that mean that's good or does that mean that's bad? So um, we try to make sure that the community gets the information they need to make the informed decisions. Very good. You know, because all of that, the air, the water, the soil, it should be public because it's for the public's benefit. We cannot live without our natural resources. So it's something everybody needs to get involved with. Thank you so much, Anne. I really, really appreciate it. Did you give them a website? Um, if you go to the West Jefferson County Community Task Force Facebook page, 
Our website is down for construction right now, so it will be back up soon. So the best place to go would be to the West Jefferson County Community Task Force Facebook page to get information on how to reach us and upcoming events. We do hope to have an environmental justice conference in December as well. So keep posted. And you are also with Park Duval Community Health Center. Tell me about that. Park Duval Community Health Center is the oldest federally qualified health center in the Commonwealth of Kentucky and one of the first 10 in the United States. And most people don't know that it was started by former mayor of Louisville, Dr. Harvey Sloan. When he was an Appalachian physician, a Vietnam physician, he decided that they needed a project that where anybody could have access to health care, regardless of their ability to pay. And there was a federal project that was doing just that, and so he... Um, advocated for having one in Kentucky, and that's how Park Duval started in 1968. So it's been around for over 52 years. But right now we're a, a health center quality leader, and we're in the top 10% of health centers in the United States and Guam and Puerto Rico and Virgin Island, the U.S. territories, in terms of quality of care um, as judged by our patient outcome. And you are listening to Forward Radio at 106.5 FM. I'm Ruth Newman interviewing representatives from organizations present during Louisville's Earth Walk at Cherokee Park on October the 23rd. And this is Anne Hagen Grigsby telling us about her organization, Park Duval Community Health Center. We do so many things that people don't know about, because it's not just a doctor's office where you have adult and pediatric and women's health and behavioral health. We also have a pharmacy where you can get discount medications. We have laboratory. Our CLIA-certified laboratory is the only multidisciplinary lab in our part of Louisville that gets 100% of their annual OIG inspections for CLIA certification. The other one is St. Elizabeth's Hospital up in Covington area. We try to make sure that patients can have the best quality of care that they can get regardless of their ability to pay. We also have free transportation. We have vans that pick you up and bring you back. We have pharmacy delivery vans, so if you can't come in and get your medications, we'll bring it to you. Who is eligible? Actually, people think that, you know, oh, you have to live in a certain neighborhood or be low income. Anybody can come to a friendly qualified health center. Um, it's access for all. So if you have insurance, you know, you might want to call and check to see that we accept your insurance plans, but we accept over 140. If you don't have insurance, it's perfectly okay. We still will see you. If you have low income, we can put you on sliding fee scale. If you're in a family of four that makes less than $24,000 a year or $48,000 if you're at 200% of poverty. If you are in a halfway house, we actually see halfway house residents, and you don't have a job, then you know the halfway house can authorize you to come to us and you pay zero. We are in transition with new leadership. As the former CEO, I'm excited about the direction the Park Duval's headed in with our new CEO, Dr. Swanee Jett, who has a doctorate in public health. I'm from the University of Kentucky. He's going to be an amazing resource for our community, and we're glad to have him back in Louisville. Do you have any connection at all with work with COVID? We're one of the locations that we not only do COVID testing, we have an external COVID testing booth we build onto the side of our building at the main site, but any of our locations in Louisville or Spencer County or Henry County can also do COVID testing. We also have COVID vaccines. We have more vaccines than the law allows. We just want everyone to get that shot in their arm. So we still are experiencing some vaccine hesitancy by many members of our community. And I mean, I think that's just because of misinformation. I'm over 70. I got the vaccine as soon as it was available back in January. And then the second dose, in, I mean, no, it was in February and March. And then I got a third dose about a, a few weeks ago. It's important for us to be vaccinated in order for us to be able to stop this 
in its tracks. Actually, Kentucky is doing a really good job, and our incidence rate is declining. So, you know, we're, we're doing really well from going from all red to only part of the state is red now. So, you know, we need to keep up the good work. If you're interested in having um, someone come to your site, your workplace, your church, your, your family gathering, your community gathering, and give vaccines for COVID, we can do so. We have temperature-controlled coolers that we bring with us, and our nurses um, will come out and give you vaccinations wherever you are. We want you to have access and have no excuse not to get vaccinated. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That was Anne Hagen-Grigsby representing two organizations she's involved with, the West Jefferson County Community Task Force and Park Duval Community Health Center. Now I'm with Jaden Jaden Chatham, or Jaden Jackfruit is my farm name. From the Food Literacy Project, uh, could you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we are a local nonprofit here in Louisville, and our mission is youth transforming their communities through food, farming, and the land. And we do that through a couple of different means. So I am our project coordinator, or programs coordinator, excuse me, and I coordinate our after-school club, which we call Field to Fork. And we partner with local JCPS elementary schools. Um, so currently we have a couple of schools that we're partnering with this fall. And we do a cooking and gardening club with their students, third through fifth grade. Um, but we also manage um, an urban farm in the south end near Iroquois Park. And we employ youth ages 16 to 21. And they're the ones who are out there three days a week doing the farming. And then the produce that we harvest from that goes to Field to Fork Club, and then we also donate it to different area community ministries. Um, we sell it at farmer's markets, like the Shively Farmer's Market, which is every other week right now. So yeah, just like food access, food justice, teaching youth how to make great food choices, and then what to do with that food. So all of those really great things related to food. That sounds absolutely incredible. So this is something that they can do at the school, or they can do it at the farm, or they can do it at home, all three? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of our Field to Fork clubs is in person, and so we're working with Portland Elementary School. And so I'm there um, once a week with the students, and we've got an intern, and then one of our community food leaders who go with me. And so they are gardening at the school. And then our virtual club, um, we're cooking one day a week together, but then they get seeds and soil and things to garden at home. Um, and then the, the youth, the community food leaders is what we call them. They're the ones who are doing the farm work at the farm. Very, very good. Also, I'm wondering if you make any connections to other classes in the school program or in school curriculum, like, for example, biology or plant sciences or things that have to do with gardening and cooking. Cooking is a lot of chemistry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we're having those conversations, we do try to talk about like the life cycle of plants and things like that and relate it to things that we know that students are learning in school. We also work with um, a program called Accelerate to Graduate, which is at Newcomer High School. And so they're really incorporating the things that they're learning in with their curriculum. That's incredible. I mean, after all, that's real life. And what better way to learn about various courses and class curricula than to be participating in something that is meaningful and real to you? Yeah, absolutely. So that's fabulous. Um, and plus, nutrition and health. Yes. And it gets into medicine. It gets into all kinds of subjects. Yeah, absolutely. So especially in the Field to Fork Club, we like to talk about the overall health benefits of gardening and cooking foods that you grow yourself, but also talk about like how we can move our bodies for our overall health and, and then also talking about mental health with the students. That's really exciting. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about you, yeah. how would they? Absolutely. So you can go to our website, which is foodliteracyproject.org. And on there, you can get links to resources and recipes and things like that. We're also on Instagram at foodlitproj, P-R-O-J underscore L-O-U, so foodlitprojlu. And we're also on Facebook, and so you can find us there. Um, and then all of our extra contact information is on there. So if you have any questions, you can email us at info at Food Literacy Project. Um, and we can get you connected to the right resource. Super. Very, very good. And maybe we'll have you on the radio someday. 
That was Jaden Chatham from the Food Literacy Project. I am here with the Green Sanctuary Committee of All People's Unitarian Church. And who am I speaking to? Diane Gunsner. Martha Flack. And tell me, tell me a little bit about this and how it got started. Well, we, um, we got certified as a Green Sanctuary Committee 10 years ago, and we work to keep sustainable issues in front of the church congregation, and we encourage their activities and activities that promote uh, sustainability in the, in the community. You know, we organize brightside cleanups through our committee at church, and we organize vegetarian potlucks. At, through tree the summer planting. months, tree planting. Um, we support other environmental organizations in the community through direct donations or encouraging people to participate in their activities like Kentucky Waterways Alliance's Wild and Scenic Film Festival, Earth Walk, Kentucky Interfaith Power and Lights programs that they have for putting solar up on uh, churches. Yeah, we have solar panels on our church as well. Oh, that's, um, that's good. Tell me a little bit about All People's Unitarian. Well, we are a Unitarian Universalist congregation. We've been, we were formed in the mid-60s uh, with uh, a donation of the land from First Unitarian Church downtown. So we've been on our site for 50 years um, plus. And we have, you know, a lovely wooded, area um, that we manage, about five acres of land. We In the wooded area, we try to maintain totally native plants and trees, and which we avoid the use of chemicals. We've got walks mowed, so we encourage the community to come back and enjoy a green space in East Louisville. And if uh, anybody was interested, how would they get a hold of you, or how would they find you? They can go allpeoplesuu.org. Very good. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That was Diane Gunsner and Martha Flack telling us about the Green Sanctuary Committee of All People's Unitarian Church. I am here today with the Jefferson County Soil and Water Conservation District here at Louisville Earth Walk. This is Eli Levine. And tell me a little bit about this organization. So the Soil and Water Conservation Districts, we work to connect uh, landowners with resources to, right in our name, uh, conserve their soil and water resources. Uh, actually, the history of our organizations, most counties throughout the U.S. have their own conservation district, and it dates back to the Dust Bowl era when... As a country, we discovered that we needed to take more steps to protect our natural resources. So here we are. Uh, we do a lot of work with farmers, both the uh, traditional farmers and uh, we've been doing a, a big push for urban farmers because Jefferson County is, of course, the most urban soil and water conservation district in the state. So I, as an urban dweller, have a backyard and uh, I'm having trouble growing certain plants. And so how would I connect with you? What would I do in order to uh, get help from you to, to give me some advice on what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong and uh, what I need in order to improve my soil? Well, you can always uh, check out our website, jeffcd.org. Our email is jeffersonswcd at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a podcast. Our podcast is Kentucky Conservation Conversations. Thank you, Becca. Is, is it possible for me to get my soil tested if I want? Absolutely. Uh, and we actually will get you free soil tests, both for if you want to know about the soil nutrients, to help know what plants would grow well, in your in your yard likewise we do free lead soil testing just as a, a health measure because we want you happy and healthy what about toxins in the soil are there instances in in louisville where you've uncovered you have found toxins in people's soil i don't think our tests necessarily go for that okay um, well other than lead Oh, okay. Uh, obviously, lead would be. Our tests, our soil tests are pretty specific to 
um, either soil nutrients, just letting us know what what proportions of nitrogen, potassium, such things are are there in your soil. Uh, the only toxin that we specifically have tests for is for lead. Um, what about composting? Do you do any? You help people at all who might be interested in putting their kitchen scraps to work in the backyard? We've done work composting workshops in the past in conjunction with the Kentucky Extension Service. Um, so check out our website, and we will have those classes listed on that. So you do have classes from time to time, and you post them on the website. Do you post them anywhere else? Uh, we try to advertise on all of our social media websites as well. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and as well as our website. Do you do anything with native plants? We have um, pollinator gardens that we do across the county. Uh, we're trying to do them in more schools. And we'll also give out technical information for anyone who uh, calls in or emails our office and asks for help with the pollinator gardens or native plants. Pollinator garden would attract pollinators, which can be anything from a butterfly to a, a fly. We, we think of pollinators mainly as these beautiful um, insects that we all like to look at, but pollinators can be anything from a, a butterfly to a bee to a fly. Even a mosquito can be a pollinator. Oh, really? There are such things as good mosquitoes then? It's kind of like a, a weed. A weed in one person's eye is a flower. It just depends on where it grows. The same thing goes for mosquitoes. Mosquitoes will bite, but there are some that also pollinate plants. Anything we should know about the soil in Louisville? Well, sure. Love your soil. It's a wonderful resource. Uh, it, uh, it is responsible for all of the, the fruit and vegetables that we grow. And that's all part and parcel of sustainability. That was Eli Levine and Becca from the Jefferson County Soil and Water Conservation District. I'm with Carrie Finelli from the Passionist Earth and Spirit Center. So let's find out a little bit more about it. Yeah, Carrie Finelli, and I'm the Director of Development and Community Engagement for the Passionist Earth and Spirit Center. And we're all about nourishing spirit, society, and soil. We teach care for the earth, mindfulness, and social compassion. So some so compassion for self, for others, and for the natural world. And we have a number of classes and workshops and programs for all ages. And over 20 acres, that is a wildlife sanctuary with trails, wetlands, gardens, and beautiful wildlife to enjoy. So it's all tied in. The more we care for ourselves, the more we care for our um, foundational planet and our soil and our air and our water. How would people get a hold of you? How would they find out more? Absolutely. You can find us. Our website is earthandspiritcenter.org. Again, that's earth, A-N-D, spiritcenter.org. And we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. And um, we post a lot of things that people can enjoy and find out more about us there. And you can sign up for our newsletter on our website. We also have a podcast that's on NPR as well. So you can find our Earth and Spirit Center podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or on NPR. So environment and spirit. Tell me how spirit interconnects with environment. Well, it, it is all connected. And, and we're all connected to the earth. And we become better stewards of this beautiful planet that we live on um, when we feel more connected to ourselves and to each other and to the planet that we live on. And there, there is a deep spiritual component to that as well. No matter what faith you are, there's, there's a spiritual component to feeling connectedness to nature and to caring about this living earth and each other. Yeah, all I have to do is watch Dodo <laughs> on, on uh, YouTube. I don't know if you've ever seen that. With the animals caring for each other, people caring for animals, and it brings the tears to my eyes because that's what happens when you see love being on display and the true spirit of our higher natures. It's love, and love brings tears. So I'm, I'm very much a fan of the Earth and Spirit Center because they bring those two notions together, earth and spirit. Yes, absolutely. So. It is all about the love and the compassion, loving ourselves, loving our fellow humans, and loving this beautiful earth. Right, and it's all living and all divine. <laughs> absolutely.
Thank you. Thank you so much. Anything else? And, and just want to mention, we do have a benefit concert uh, coming up at St. Agnes Church on November 7th um, with Louisville Jazz Trio, Dick Sisto, Jeremy Allen, and Mike Hyman. And you can find uh, information about tickets on our website. And we have some free intro to meditation and mindfulness coming up. Um, we've got one December 2nd and uh, two on January 6th at two different times. And you can find that on our website. Great. Very good. That was Carrie Finelli, Director of Development and Community Engagement at the Passionist Earth and Spirit Center. I'm here with Sarah Lynn Cunningham from the Louisville Climate Action Network, or LCAN as abbreviated. Tell me about LCAN. LCAN has been around now for 14 years, and we try to help every Louisvillian find a way to help reduce the problem of climate change. And the beauty of climate change, if there is one, is that if you reduce a pound of greenhouse gases in Louisville, you help the entire planet. It's the epitome of think globally, act locally. I see. Also, we have this idea in our minds that it's, everything is free. All the extractive industries are free. They get to take out the coal. They get to take out the fossil fuels. They don't have to pay for any of the damage. And that damage is multiplying by leaps and bounds. So now it's up to us residents, us citizens of the world, to do something about it. So tell me what, a little more about what LCAN does. We've got three types of programming. The first we call education, and it's everything from an e-newsletter to uh, talks on climate change and climate science and what you can do about it, to intense focused workshops of about an hour and a half called Before You Buy. We have that now in space heating, space cooling, also known as your furnace and air conditioner, water heating, insulation and solar panels where you can come and we'll help you figure out your situation. And then we have a whole realm of advocacy so that if there is a bill before the legislature in Frankfurt or say um, a case before the Public Service Commission, we try to come up with a constructive approach that we can get our members to act on. And then the third realm is services where we help other nonprofits to be more energy efficient, if not go solar. Very, very good. So you, in fact, are part of the solution. You are looking for answers to this problem that all of us are now in. And frankly, we don't even care if people accept climate science or not. We just want them to use fossil fuels less and more efficiently. And so if people are much more concerned about their back pocket than future generations, fine. We speak that language too. Very good. And is there some way they can get a hold of you? Simply go to Louisville, spelled out, CAN, which is short for climateactionnetwork.org. So louisvillecan.org. And then there's a whole website full of stuff, and it's very layered. So if you, you know that you're going to need to get a new furnace, you can go and read about it and get some ideas. But then you can drill down further and further to, to get more information. And there's certainly a contact us form there. But if you go to the bottom of the homepage, you can subscribe. I promise you I'm way too busy to issue the newsletter more than about once a month. I actually have people subscribe who are already subscribed because they think they should be getting something every week. But anyway, if you subscribe, I will not overstuff your inbox. But you will get notification of classes and events. Very good. So there's hope for me in my home. <laughs> there's definitely hope. I think it's super important that we guard against despair. I totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Sarah Lynn. You're welcome. Thank you. That was Sarah Lynn Cunningham, co-founder and executive director of the Louisville Climate Action Network. And we have run out of time on Truth to Power. So this is Ruth Newman signing off. We'll see you again in a future Truth to Power every week here on Forward Radio. Stay tuned for more community radio on WFMP 106.5 FM.